This is Regin's Travels Podcast. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to Regin's Travels Podcast. This is your host, Regin Reino. Joining us today is Jasper Ituriaga, a travel photographer, filmmaker, and a preacher. He graduated Bachelor of Arts in Theology at Central Philippine Adventist College. He's been to a lot of amazing places, taking photos of taking photos and videos for the ministry. And currently he is having a jungle school project in Palawan, Philippines, which is 100% funded by social media. In this episode, we're going to talk about travel photography, filmmaking, and traveling with a mission. Jasper, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for having me, bro. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so how are you there in Palawan? Good, Good man. It's, it's, it's been an awesome month. Um, it's, it's been a blessing. It's, <laughs> I could tell you a lot of stories, but I guess uh, to, to summarize the whole thing, it's, it's been a blessing. It's quite a ride. You know, I'm supposed to be here just for a few days for nonprofit work. But decided, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay here for a bit. Yeah. I've seen your travels before on social media. You've went to a lot of amazing places. You went to different countries. And the last time I checked, you were in Los Angeles in the US. And then I suddenly saw your post on Instagram that you are in Palawan and you've been there for quite quite a while already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I've been traveling around, uh, but COVID made it a little bit harder for me to travel. So I decided instead of having my nose abused for, <laughs> for quite some time, I said I wanted to have some rest a little bit and then go to Palawan, maybe do some, some stationary work for, for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. So when did you come back from the U.S. and when did you just decided to stay put in the Philippines for a while? Um, I've been in the Philippines actually since last year, November. Uh, no, yeah, December. Um, so, so in COVID, I tried my best to travel. I did all my best to travel. And maybe starting COVID, I probably hit around 10 to 12 countries uh, wow. when COVID started. It was, it, was, it was really hard trying to find countries that are open for the restrictions. Like, so I got to Turkey, Cuba, India, some places that are not restricted for, during that last year. And then I realized that it was quite impossible. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to stay by in the Philippines. So stayed by in the Philippines where I was born in Negros. Uh, stayed there for a few months, then went back to, went to Los Angeles. Then I went back here in Palawan. So I'm here for about seven months now in the Philippines. Yeah, when did and, you and go? About one month in Palawan. Oh, one month in Palawan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how was it like traveling during the pandemic? Especially going uh, to different, a lot of different countries. Yeah, it is. It is probably the toughest years. Uh, and, and, you know, we're Filipinos, man. We are holding the, one of the weakest passports out there. Yeah, and yeah. so it is very difficult. That alone is already hard. Then mixed up with the pandemic, it, it's already way, way too difficult. So um, going through African countries, it's much easier. But um, crossing different uh, continents is much, much harder. Like going to Europe was way, way harder. Um, Turkey was tough. It was doable. Uh, but I would not recommend traveling during these times. It's just, unless if you want your nose abused, you know, and you, you have all this time to be quarantined, 
So if you if you want to do that, then go for it. But I won't recommend traveling during these times. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and on your Instagram, you've posted a video that says you've been to over is it fifty countries? Yeah, around fifty countries, around maybe forty nine. I'm not sure, but maybe fifty. Right, around, around there. Yeah, around fifty countries, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. using a Philippine passport, like what yeah. you've mentioned, it's one of the weakest in the world, but you're able to do it. Yeah, yeah, dude, uh, it was, it was tough, and it's only I could say it's just miracles. I think that that this is. It's, it's supernatural to, I'm actually having a passport here, to have a passport like this, <laughs> <laughs> travel, you know? So, yeah. so I, there's nothing in me that, that gave me the opportunity to do this, but I'll give it credit to God that, you know, like, I think it's all God, man. It's all miracles. <laughs> it's, I would have not done it. I, got, I came to North Korea, to all these places that are so sketchy with a very weak passport. So, but yeah. You've been to amazing places. Your photographs in Iceland, in Bolivia, especially Salar de Uyuni, and also in in Peru, the Rainbow Mountain, and a lot of wonderful places. How did your how did this all start your travel career? Oh yeah, well, good question, man. I think um, it started when I, I I think growing up, I have wanderlust in me. Like I, I grew up. I don't like to read. I hate reading. But one thing that I read a lot is National Geographic. I don't think it takes a lot of reading. It's most mostly it's pictures. So I would look at National Geographic a lot in the library. That's the only thing that'll open in in, uh, in the library when I was growing up. And so growing up, I really wanted to see the world, you know. But um, when I was 17, I had a tumor in the left side of my brain. And I had severe seizures. And one time I woke up in the hospital and when I woke up in the hospital, I was very scared. I was like, why am I here? You know, and the doctor came up. They, they had the MRI scans and they saw a tumor in the left side of my brain that caused me a lot of seizures. And so my father told me, hey, I think I should stop school. During this time, I was taking biology because I'm doing nursing. If you fail the nursing exam, <laughs> so you do biology first, yeah. so you can switch in the second semester. Um, so, and my father was like... Um, yeah, rest a little bit. After a semester, my father came back and he said, hey, I think God is calling you to be a pastor. I, that was, I don't want to be a pastor. I, I, don't, I, I thought pastors were all hypocrites. I don't want to be one. You know, and, and, then, <laughs> and then he forced me, but then but, but fast forward, I found God in uh, studying theology. And then after that, um, the tumor was gone and no operation no, I did not change my diet. I'm a vegetarian now, but during that time, I did not change my diet. So it was not because of what I did. It was purely a miracle. And the tumor was gone. No medication, no operation. And from then on, I decided to really just full send for God. Like, you know what? I only, I, this is my second life. Why don't we full send, you know? And I was assigned as a pastor in Indonesia. Found, fell in love with photography during that time. And then decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave pastoral ministry because I like photography more being, than being a preacher. Even though I preach, I disclaimer, I still preach. <laughs> but I don't hold a particular church anymore. Mm. And so um, I left pastoral ministry to pursue the, my passion for filmmaking. We went to Europe for, for months and, and traveled there and did a series called Limit's Journey on YouTube. And that's how it started. Until now, I've been living out of, of the suitcase, for my suitcase. I have a little bag here that where I live. Um, for the past four or five years in 50 countries. Yeah, living out of a suitcase. Wow. 
That's that's really amazing. I know a lot of people really wanted to have that lifestyle, just kind of like being free, being a nomad, traveling, and mm. just living out of a suitcase. Although it's not for everyone, but I know a lot of people wanted to have that lifestyle as well. That is really cool. And you've been doing it for how many years again? Four or five years, around close to five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't it tiring though? Oh yeah, dude. I think I think one thing that they don't show you in social media is the amount of of depression that these people are going through. And when I say these people, part of <laughs> I'm also part of that. I, I struggle depression. There's no community. Like you need to have in order for you to thrive, you need to have a stable community. And traveling does not give you a genuine, authentic, close knit community. And that's something I struggle with. Uh, I think I realized that during COVID. Um, I did struggle with a lot of depression because of just traveling. <laughs> I put my worth so much in traveling, forgetting that I need the community, I need the family, I need someone to talk to personally, and 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 that's something that that has. And, and don't get me wrong, I love what I do, but I think that without temperance and without being careful <laughs> to really find a community, this will really destroy you, and eventually you hate traveling. I, I, I came to a point where I hated flying. Um, and, and let me tell you, I, there was once a time where I did 25 countries in two months. And wow. and that was, I will never, it was good in paper. It's like, wow, I did that. But but traveling in six different continents in two months was not fun. You know, it, it got me into the, the, one of the lowest times of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine because I was also able to travel long term, but it's not as long as what you did. I traveled for yeah. a month, a month straight. Yeah. And, and especially for us Filipinos, that is already long because we're used to just, you know, three day vacation, <laughs> one week vacation. So yeah. maybe for some nationalities, the one month is not that long. But for us, that's already long. So I did yeah. it. And yeah, it's it, it's so tiring, man. It's like you, you see people on social media, especially these uh, digital nomads, and you envy their lifestyle. But what they don't say, like what you've said, is is very tiring. And I didn't know that it it causes depression as well to to mm-hmm. some people. I didn't know that, but yeah, it's it's yeah. It's not I, always I, I struggle a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you're going to different countries. So basically, a, a company sends you to do this. Like, what kind of um, mission company or something <clears throat> sends you to these countries and take pictures or videos? Yeah. So so I found a I found a way out of a, the system to not. So so the whole issue is if you if you work on a certain company, you get stuck and you have a boss and people tell you what to do, right? So I've realized that if I work for certain people in a certain like year and amount of time that I could do it and travel. And so I've realized that instead of being stuck with, you know, we're Seventh-day Adventists, right? And so we, we had churches and all that kind of stuff. So, so I've realized that I could just tap on certain independent ministries that are not tied into churches or even the mother church itself that I could travel with them. You know, like I work for the GC for a few weeks, and then I work for ASI for a few weeks, okay. a few uh, for churches for a few weeks. You know, no, and all that kind of stuff. Or I'll preach in Romania, I'll preach in Paris. Pre- so these people will buy my ticket, and you know, on the side, the church will buy my ticket, and on the side, I'll do photography and video. You know, it's it's all a mix of everything. Yeah, so mostly video, photography, and and preaching. So that makes me travel, and so I tap all to all these independent ministries 
or churches, then I get I get a travel or free ticket. Uh, for the past five years, I don't recall paying for a single ticket. For the past five years, I've never I don't remember. Maybe I might be wrong, yeah, but I don't remember paying for a single ticket. That is really amazing because nowadays an online presence is really needed you know in mm -hmm. businesses even in ministry and in your case you have this skill in photography and filmmaking so i think that's the main reason why you're able to really do this and you're mm -hmm. able to tap on this companies or or missions or even even lay ministry to mm -hmm. to do it and and that's really cool that you're able to travel for free in a way and that's one of the tips that our listeners can get as well, because a lot of people nowadays are thinking, how can I, they love traveling, but how can I do this for free? And, and that's one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a gamble though. So a little disclaimer, I am not paid. Most of the time I'm not paid. Whenever I work for big companies like like the GC or, or I do part-time with some big companies like Philippine Airlines or, or uh, you know, like, or a photography gig. I get paid, but most of the time, if you're doing it for ministries and most of the time I do mission works, I'm not paid to do it. So, you know, sakto lang, like it's, it's enough for me to live. So if you're willing to do that, <laughs> then go for it. But if not, it's not, it's not a, a, a really career for you to make money. It's purely passion based. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's passion. And I think it's, like at your age, you're still young. So I think it, it pays to gamble to that kind of activities and be able to see the world. Yeah. You know, following your passion, doing what you what you really like and you're happy doing it. You're able mm -hmm. to see the world. Not a lot of people can do it. So talking about your travel destinations, you've been to around around 50 countries, you know, you're assigned to take pictures mostly for the ministry. You know, for the furtherance of God's work, what are your favorite travel destinations? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if I get to say my favorite places, I think if a little biased, Indonesia is pretty, just because I've lived there. I've lived. I was a pastor in Indonesia for like four years, so I think one of the prettiest places in the world is Indonesia. Just culture, and next to that, probably is Italy. Italy is such an amazing place. I think both countryside and 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 um, uh, the cities. Uh, Iceland is beautiful. Norway is beautiful. Um, surprisingly, America is really pretty. Like national parks is <laughs> super pretty. But of course, I'll say the Philippines. The Philippines, nothing beats my experiences in the Philippines. Yep. So this might be a little it reeks bias <laughs> because I'm a Filipino, but. But the experiences I have here in the Philippines, like if I get to pick a country, I think the Philippines is such an amazing place to visit. While you've mentioned Indonesia, I remember being there and I really love the food. The food in Indonesia. Oh, is... the food. <laughs> yeah, I forgot I, to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I miss the food there in Indonesia. The best. And how were you able to, to learn photography? Because... Obviously, they hire you for your skill and your talent. You take awesome pictures. You do filmmaking. And these companies will not just hire you for, for nothing, right? They have to see your work. Okay. And how did you learn 
how did you learn and how did you perfected your craft in terms of photography and filmmaking? Yeah, well, a little disclaimer. I don't know if I perfected my craft because <laughs> I'm still learning. But um, I think that I started really YouTube. I have no mentor. I have nothing. I was a pastor, bro. I'm a major in theology. None of these artsy things is in theology. <laughs> if you take the, the bachelor's. There's nothing in it that's artsy. So it's all, when I was a pastor in Indonesia, I had to learn it, you know, like hands-on in, in, in YouTube. I started with my cell phone, started taking photos with it. Then slowly I had a camera. Someone gave me a, a camera, a lens, started to take photos. But I think what made me start is filmmaking before photography. Uh, photography was the, the last one. Mm. Um And uh, filmmaking was the first one. When I was, when I purchased my first drone, I didn't know what I was doing. But I remember I was in Palawan around six years ago. I flew here and, and I was actually with the same ministry that I'm with now. The reason why I'm with in this ministry, because six years ago, I made him a film. And a friend of mine who's a helicopter pilot. He left when I came here. So I promised him, hey, when you come back, I'll be, I'll, I'll come back and film you. And six years later, I'm here. So wow. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this work. But before that, six years ago, I came to El Nido, way before El Nido was famous. And so I had my drone. Drones were not, not famous during that time yet. So I start flying my drone in El Nido, making a video. And I have, was not expecting anything, right? I posted it in social media, woke up, and it has almost 2 million views, right? Wow. And I was like, what? It went viral, you know? And then during that time, I, uh, I was in Sydney, Australia, preaching. Uh, <laughs> um, the, when was it? I forgot when was it, but, but I received a call from Philippine Airlines, and they called me and they said, hey, uh, hey, we saw your video, but can you make us something like this? And I said, sure, man, you know, like, how much, you know, you're paying me. And they're like, yeah, this amount. And then give you a business class ticket. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so they bought me a ticket. And then, and I made a video for a commercial video for Philippine Airlines. And that's how I started. Yeah. Wow. So you, you, you didn't have a, a mentor, mentor, you know, just, just on YouTube. No. That's, that's amazing. And it's also a... A tip once again to our listeners that if you really wanted to pursue this passion, then you know, and you don't no have excuse. the, no excuses if you don't have the money yet, you know, because mentors, uh, you know, teachers are so expensive, especially in, in photography. Then there's always YouTube. Yeah, yeah, bro. I tell you, there is no such thing as like there's no excuses in this. One. Like if you if you unless if you're a pilot or a doctor, you know, you need to go to school. But, yeah. but if, if, if it's passion-based, like photography and video, like dancing, painting, all these kind of stuff, if you love it, man, everything is there now on YouTube. You know, I've learned every single thing I have in YouTube. And, and I guess for practical tips, people was like, oh, you know, you'd say that because you have talent and all that. I was like, dude, I, when I started, I had no talent. I don't know what uh, composition is. I don't know what color grading is and all that kind of stuff. But there's a principle in the Bible that I believe was very, very important to me. And that is found in the book of Luke. And when Jesus talks about this and he says, if you're faithful to that which is least, you'll be faithful to that which is much. If you're unjust to the least, we'll be unjust in much, right? So what Jesus is saying is that if you're faithful to the little things, God will give you opportunities to do more. 
So I took that by heart. I, you know, in that text meant to me so much because I felt like the text says, Jasper, faithfulness equals to opportunities. If you're faithful to the little things, I'll give you more. So I said, you know what? I'll be faithful with what I have. So whatever I have, I'll be faithful with it, expecting that God will give me more as, as long as I'm faithful with it. And so I took that by heart, man. And, and, and most of the, the mistakes of photographers right now is they're always waiting for a better gear. Better gear does not equals to better results. I don't like you don't go to Gordon Ramsay and say, oh, your food is good. What knives do you use? You don't say that because it's not about the knives. It's about Gordon Ramsay skills. And photography is kind of like that. It's all about you. Your best camera is what you have in your hands. Right? And so start with what you have. Be faithful with it. I promise you, you'll have opportunities that large opportunities because you are faithful to the little things that God has entrusted you. And photography, so yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, this is what you want, you know. Like you have to. Uh, it's very inspiring, man. So just, just feel free to, to 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 preach or to add some Bible text. That's fine. And and for photography, it's also a skill. I know talent yeah. plays a a role in some way, you know. But at the same time, it's also a skill, and skill can be learned as long as you do it, you know, all the time, constantly. You know, 100%. skill anyone can can have it as long as you just constantly do it. So, to our listeners out there who wanted to who wants to pursue photography and maybe thinking, oh, I don't have the talent. Photography is also a skill. Yep. And it's amazing you've mentioned you love reading Nat Geo magazines when you were young, and browsing you know browse, browsing those magazines, looking at those pictures. And some of your photos were featured on the Nat Geo website. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a blessing, man. I I've never thought that would happen, but you know, there's one of those times where you wake up and you saw you know like people tagging you. I was like, hey, dude, you're Nat Geo, and I was like, oh man. And like the first time I saw it, I so I got featured there. About six of my photos were featured in National Geographic, and so that's already a big deal for me because growing up, like man, it's really cool, you know? And so, and again, I would segue to what I said a while ago that it is possible. It's, it's not because I eat differently. It's not because I, I was born differently. I'm, a, you know, like we're all island people, you know? It's, it's possible to do all these things. And the real secret, and, and it's crazy because from the start of my photography, Till I I was featured in National Geographic, it only took me a year and a half of photography, a year and a half of learning, and then I was featured there in National Geographic. So if I could do that, it's not because I'm supernatural, but because the whole secret to it is just be faithful with what you have, man. Like whatever you have, be faithful with it, and God will give you opportunities. That's the whole secret to it. And then one and a half years, I got featured there. I I, I couldn't believe it myself, but it is possible. And you've mentioned you don't delete your old photos because you have because of through them you'll be able to see your progress. And and yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, because when I started photography as well, in the beginning, I thought my shots were really beautiful. You know, I was still starting and I was so obsessed with the gear and I didn't know what a good what a beautiful photo is. So I, I keep on taking pictures and keep on posting them on social media. And back then I thought they were 
awesome pictures. So I keep on posting them. But after a few years, I look at them again and I was like, oh man, I can't, I can't look at these photos. I deleted it. <laughs> I cringe. And I was like, why? I would even put a big watermark because I was so proud of the shot. But then looking, looking back at it now, now that I know more, and obviously because of YouTube as well and, and Google, and I was like, man, I have to delete these pictures. It's, I, I cannot look at these now. But you've mentioned that you don't delete most of them because it's it's kind of like a measurement of your progress. But man, yeah. for me, I, I cannot do that. I have to delete it. <laughs> yeah, I decided, you know what, um, maybe soon <laughs> if I work for a certain company. <laughs> but but now I, 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 I try not to. Like I, I just want I'll go back there and say, hey, you know, I really believe that the, the best, the best uh, person to compare yourself to is your former self. Um, the reason why we get discouraged, and I, I struggle with this because I, I see my friends and I see some of the people and I was like, man, why do they take shots like that? And, and they have a different journey, bro. Some of them have good background in photography. Some of them went to school. You know, some of them are two years, three years ahead of me, you know, so the only person that I want to compare myself to is my former self. And so I always put it there just as, oh, you know, it's okay. You're developing, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I remember during the time, during my post process, when I was still starting, I would really bump the saturation because I thought that was really beautiful. <laughs> I've experienced that as well. Like, I have to bump the yeah, saturation. Dude. Oh, yeah. man. That was terrible. Yeah. So how about your gear, though? Like, you know, you, you're... you're basically taking profession you're basically a professional travel photographer now because you work for certain companies and you need a professional gear for that is it also like they provide you the gear as well or do you do you buy them um, your own? no um most of it are are like my hard work and most of it is because i've 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 uh, worked for some company and gave me a gift you know or or saved for it but the funny thing is, some of these are are church giving. Like I've I've wow. I've done ministries for them, and they say, "Hey, you want an upgrade? We'll help you out with this." Um, I won't name the company because I was told not to say it. But there's a company that gave me a certain percentage. Um, so so you know, so I get to violences and all that kind of stuff. I won't say say the name because I got in trouble last time I posted it. Um, so so yeah, um, but it's a blessing, you know, it's a blessing. God really provided it. Uh, I couldn't afford it. Uh, the gears that I have, I couldn't afford it. The computer, yeah. So, but but God provided, man. Yeah. For for those who are curious, our listeners are curious. What camera do you use? Uh, the body that you use for your like your your prime camera for photography. So so currently, my setup is very simple. Hold on, <laughs> I'm getting the camera right now. So I show you guys uh, my 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 cons my sorry my bag because I travel very light as much as I can. So I have a a Sony A7 III. So I have three of these bodies, but I only carry two. Um, so one of it I, I lent it to my friend for now, but I have one A7 III bodies, a 70 to 200 lens, which is my zoom lens. Uh, this. I rarely use this, but sometimes you need a zoom. Um, and then I have two lenses that is my go-to. This is my 55 millimeter 1.8. This is my portrait lens. If I get to choose one lens, I get to bring just one only. Uh, my, I'm a landscape photographer too, so 
I do a lot of landscape stuff. So I have a wide 16 35. I do a lot of star photos with this one. Um, so that is my setup. And I have a DJI Mavic Pro 2 um, drone that's for my drone. So that's that's just in my bag. And that's how that's how this what I use whenever I travel. I, I try to make it as simple, minimal as possible. So when you started, did you start with a DSLR and then just switch to mirrorless nowadays? Because mirrorless is like more common. I started with the mirrorless uh, oh, okay. because when I was starting, Sony was already like up there. You know, they're okay. like starting and that was the cheaper option. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of photographers, they started with a DSLR and then suddenly yeah. slowly switching to mirrorless yeah. nowadays, maybe because of the yeah. weight and, and yeah. some reasons. Yeah. Oh, great, great. So, was that the drone that you used when you were starting as well? Is it DJI? When you've mentioned that drone wasn't yet common during that time, probably six years ago, was it DJI as well? This is my yeah. This is all DJI. This is my seventh drone. So I've crashed my. I remember crashing about 10, 11 times. Repaired some of it. Um, so let me show you. So it's all. The, I use my my Mavic. Uh, Pro 2 drone and then this this thing is already I crashed it so mm. like, <laughs> it's broken um, so um, yeah I, it's all DJI it's all DJI so you, you went to a lot of different places and most of the reason most of the reasons is because you have a mission you know you, you, you go to mission trips whether that be taking videos or pictures or, or preaching can you share us some memorable or unforgettable stories in your travels? Mm -hmm. Ooh, I name you a lot. I think um, I'm a Christian, so I most memorable ones are, of course, miracles. <laughs> um, I'll tell you one, 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 one story. When I was in Australia, you know, we, you know, we're Filipinos. They always check how much money we have for our bank accounts whenever we apply for visa, right? Yeah. <laughs> they go, how much money do you have? So I remember I went to Australia and I just got in my, my bank account. Um, so I have a 5,000 pesos in my bank account, $100. I remember one, uh, that time. So this was 2017. Um, I was in Indonesia preaching and I was called to go to, to, to Australia to preach too. I fully believe that God wants me there. And so I was like, man, um, I, you know, I'm scared because I need to apply for a visa. And so I, I, I flew to Indonesia. Before I went to get an interview, they sent me an email saying, hey, we need to see your bank statement to see how much money you have. I was like, man, I only have 5,000 pesos. This is going to be wild, you know? So I prayed about it. I had peace and knowing that the Lord would do, will have a thousand ways to provide in which we know nothing. And so I prayed at night. Then I woke up before the interview. And in my phone, I received the notification that I received $5,000 in my bank account. $5,000. That's a huge amount of money. And I was like, man, I don't remember working for anyone worth that much. And so I had this company, I won't name because I'm in trouble. So I scrolled down and I saw the name of the company. I emailed them because I worked with these guys before. And I told them, hey, I don't remember working for you guys worth 5,000 pesos, uh, $5,000. And they said, oh, we made a mistake. It's not for you. Please return the money. And I was like, man, can I, can I borrow the money just for the day yeah. and to show the Australians? And I said, and they said, sure, just return the money. And so I showed the Australians that, that I have $5,000 and they signed my visa and I went to Australia. 
and I returned the money. So I was broke again. But but it was crazy. I'll never forget that because I'm not, you know, supposed to be. I wasn't able to go in because I had no money, but the Lord was able to provide. So these stuff, man, these stuff that is crazy stuff, like going to Europe for four months without any money. Uh, all I do is couch surfing. So I preach every weekend just for, for me to have a, a place to stay. And I was able to go in eight eight countries in Europe without paying a single penny for a hotel. So, so yeah, like four months in Europe, all these places. So a lot, a lot, a lot of sketchy stories that are memorable to me. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. Especially the story about that visa thing, because yeah, like you've mentioned for us, Filipinos, the embassy of other countries are very strict about this, you know, about this pocket money and about this bank account. And, and that story, that's, that's really a, a proof that God works in you, especially if your purpose is for ministry. That's amazing. So how about your, your travel photos? What are some of your favorite travel photos and Ooh. what are, what are the story behind these shots? Ooh. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I could send you the photo. There's a, there's a particular shot that is in my ha- my mind right now about a shot that I, I took in Broome, Australia. Um, the, there's a shot of a cam of a camel camels walking, and I was in the beach in the sunset, and they took it from the drone, um, looking down, and so there was the shadow effect where I can shoot uh, the camel walking. Um, so that was very special to me, not because of just the shot. It was also featured in National Geographic. That, that's why it's special. But one of the reasons why it's very special to me is because I had my cousin with me in, in Australia during that time. And I remember um, in the beginning of this podcast, I talked about I struggled with depression. This is, this is when I really struggled with the intense depression traveling in 25 countries. And I'm like, man, I, was, I remember one time in a, in a hotel that, that evening I was looking at the ceiling and I'm like, man, is this what ministry is all about? I'm, I was so empty. I was just, there's no community I could talk to. Cause when you're a pastor, you can talk to anyone about your problems. Cause it's like, you can't just say, Oh, I'm depressed. People was like, oh, what? Yeah. you're a pastor, you know, right, like, right. like, dude, we bleed too, you know? <laughs> so, so we're not, we're not men of steel, you know? But, but anyways, when I, when I was in Australia, I was like lying down there and I was like, man, I'm so depressed. I'm supposed to go to New Zealand during that time. Uh, and I was scheduled to speak in a church in, in, in New Zealand. Then I decided to just cancel it. I was like, you know, I can't take this anymore. And I re- this time I received a message from my cousin who's that half Filipino, half Australian. And he made a van and he got a divorce with his wife. And he got so depressed too, bro. He got so depressed that he wants to commit a suicide. But decided, you know what? Instead of killing myself, I'm going to sell everything and buy a van. And so he assembled a van and he traveled all across Australia. While he was traveling, he saw that I was in Sydney, Australia. And he was like, dude, I wanted to finish and drive all of Western Australia. You want to join me? And he said, man, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I bought a ticket the next few days. I flew there with him and I lived with him for a month in a van. And we traveled throughout the, the outback deserts of Australia. I lived with him. We eat like pancit and all these, like we were in a van. Like it was one of the most amazing places I've ever been. And 
it's so memorable because the nearest town sometimes it can be 600 miles away you know it's so far so so we would we would take photos uh, under the stars and 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 i would say that this guy my my cousin benji he's an atheist he doesn't believe in god but man my cousin benji saved my ministry he ministered to me bro he was an atheist but he was the one who ministered to me he was there to listen to me he was there when i needed someone to talk to and i'm here today only him a lot bro like he's really saved my ministry even though we talk about a lot of different stuff like when i talk about god's will he talks about the universe the universe conspires us together you know so i believe like oh the god god brought us together and my cousin was like what oh, the universe i don't agree with him but but he really ministered to me and and both of us were really struggling with depression during that time and we were able to comfort each other you know and that was one of the blessings and and i came after that i came to to travel to more countries and my cousin after that he was the first the fastest man to ever finish um all of australian deserts in in two days with a motorbike so only very few people has done that before and he's finished it in 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 i don't know how many days it was but he was the fastest you can search his name benjin benjin brendan he's in guinness world of records so from depression to having a guinness world of record it was it was an amazing story wow so that camel shot was in australia yeah in broom broom uh, western australia right right because i saw that shot as well uh obviously it was featured on that geo and i saw it when it was featured and i thought that was somewhere in somewhere in the middle east because i didn't look at the caption that, that was that was an awesome shot it's like a typical not geo photo you know it's amazing yeah, yeah it was it was yeah i got very lucky with that sunset we slept two days in the beach just for that shot <laughs> Oh, so you were you were Two waiting nights. you were waiting for those camels to pass by yeah yeah right. it was waiting with the camels <laughs> wow yeah like you, you look at these Nat Geo photos in the magazine or on the internet and you look at these amazing photos but behind those shots sometimes we don't know that it took a lot of patience and waiting for these photographers just to take that awesome shot you know yeah oh bro yeah it, it's not only just waiting but the amount of gears that are exposed in the elements like um when i went to iceland twice i lost uh, two phones and uh, i've been to iceland two times and every time i went there it's either my camera gets broken you know i've i've lost a camera body uh i've lost a phone <laughs> you know like yeah i got hit by an iceberg and <laughs> in below freezing temperatures i've lived in a van waiting for northern lights and i imagine staying there and you only get one night of northern lights and the whole nine days you're trying to chase it you know yeah. so it's not it's not easy <laughs> yeah it's it, it takes a lot of passion to do it that's why my favorite photos are not geo photos travel travel photographs mm -hmm. and I was reminded of Steve McCurry when you told me your, your photography journey because mm -hmm. Steve McCurry started as a filmmaker as well. Even, even him becoming a photographer, 
he was mm. once a, a filmmaker. So <laughs> yeah, you have, you, have, you have one thing in common with Steve McCurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure if I ever reached that point, but yeah, for sure. I love Steve McCurry. Just just too good for me. <laughs> yeah, and and you've mentioned these awesome trips, like road trips in Australia, you know, being in a van, going to Iceland, and then at this age in our culture, we are encouraged to settle down, you know, go to school, finish your school, study well, and after that, graduate, find a, a secure a job <laughs> and a wife and have a family and, and settle. But then you took a different path, and I think it's really worth it because at that age, you're able to do these things with, 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 with still have the energy and, and the vitality. So I think you're one of one of the one of the people here in our country that kind of like took a different path from the norm but yeah but I think it's really worth it. So how do you feel about that in in terms of your career like you know you're surrounded by society uh, people have a different perspective and different thoughts about this. So do you also encounter these questions like when are you going to settle down although you're, I know you're enjoying it and we can see you're enjoying it and I think it's really <clears> worth <throat> it at this stage but you know sometimes society will ask you these questions. So how do you deal with it yeah. and how do you feel about it? Yeah, good question man. I think that that starting when COVID strike, I had that whole feeling like uh, I had an intense pressure from, from not by my family, family very supportive of what I do, but a lot of my friends from the U S from different, you know, social media, a lot of them messaging me. It's like, Hey, how long are you going to do this? You know, it's not sustainable and all that kind of stuff. And so, so this year I actually considered applying for a job. So I had, I had, um, a few pastoral calls in the U.S. and also a, a, a job to be media director in California in one of the ministries. And I really did consider it. Like I considered it. But bro, let me tell you. Yesterday or two days ago, I declined a job. <laughs> I was just about, and all I need to say yes. And the lawyer was waiting for a visa and all that kind of stuff to process. And it took me time because I wrestled with God with it. And I'm like, man, is that what I wanted to do? You know, it's not something that I, you know, like, yeah. So I did struggle with it. And then I ended up deciding, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to decline. And I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I don't care if I have no money, but because I love what I do, you know, I always tell people I'm, I might be broke, but I'm really stoked for life, man. This, I think that. I'd rather be here than a nine to five and I'd rather be broke than be bound. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not going to take the job and I'm going to build this school. I'm going to build the jungle school up in the jungles of Palawan. So full send. So I don't know what's going to happen this year because I don't have any salary, but we'll see how it goes. I, I, for me, in my, in my opinion, I, I support what, what you do. Like, especially this is what I, this is my interest as well. Looking at, looking at what you do. If it what makes you happy, then then you just have to keep on doing it. And and you're doing it not just for yourself, you're doing it for the Lord as well. You're doing it for the ministry. So yeah, sometimes society and the pressure, you know, but if if it makes you happy and, and you do it for the Lord, you have this advocacy. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's something that you need to be 
pressured on on yeah. stopping and you've mentioned a lot of job offers you know i think the jobs are just there you know anytime you wanted to have a job you can easily apply but at yeah. the stage of your life when you have the vitality and you mm -hmm. get to do all of these amazing things like i've seen your videos you're in a helicopter just flying over palawan men like who can do that and it's also good that you decided to to continue on with that jungle project and we're going to talk about that later and how how fulfilling is it to be traveling with the mission of serving the lord how fulfilling is it because you, you still keep on doing it yeah i think i think that that really kept me going i think seeing people's lives change there's nothing like it i think like these simple gestures like giving someone slippers is is like man whew. <laughs> seeing a kid and you give him a t-shirt or or one time we went to the jungles and we bought spaghettis and pancit and all these things that you know and toys and like seeing kids like happy and fulfilled just living life um for others is such an amazing feeling i think that it's having money is good i think security is a, such an amazing gift that when you feel secured because you have a house you have this and all that but to to see someone slight change because of your talent or your ability is something else like that's so fulfilling for me and that for me i think is something that kept me really going you know seeing kids like a little example about this is when we do uh, medivacs. Um, I'm with my 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 uh, friend. So a little context maybe for your viewers. In Palawan, we have a um, aviation program, which is a Philippine Adventist Medical Aviation Services, and we have an airplane. Uh, it, it flies inter islands in different like Mapu and Tawi-Tawi, and they do medivacs to all these remote islands. Um, and we also have a helicopter which is also nonprofit and we give services for free to the natives and we we rescue them if whenever they're sick and dying you know cuz some of the hospitals can go up to 18 hours or 10 hours walk it's very far with the helicopter it can go up to 10 minutes and we're there you know so we rescue them and sometimes it can get scary sometimes you wonder why I'm here there's no salary <laughs> you know and all that kind of stuff but but when you are there and see people's lives change, like this this kid, um, I don't know if he's a kid, but some of these Palawans, they don't know their age, but they look very young. And so we rescued him and he was like inflamed all over his body, like swelling. And his kidneys fail, liver and all that kind of stuff. When we airlifted him, he can't even walk. So we lifted him up, put him on a chopper, flew him and in and in three in the next three weeks we saw him out of the hospital and there was this big change i could just send you pictures with this this big change of this guy and i didn't even recognize him and they said oh this is the guy you rescued and these things kept you going like man seeing it like oh, it's such a powerful image and you at that time i felt like i want to go home because I experienced someone during that time. I experienced a a live birth in the helicopter. The first time I've experienced that, 
and the baby died in chopper. So I saw the baby and it was blue and it was it's dead. So it, it really like messed me up. And I'm like, man, I'm not made for this, you know? I want to go home. But seeing seeing things like this, really like seeing people's lives change and like, man, I want to do this more. Yeah. So that that keeps me going. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. I mean, you really have amazing stories, not just especially hearing it now like we're having this conversation it's it, it's really very inspiring and yeah life life is not just about earning money and and having a stable job i've read this quote in one of the books that i've read before that says that a lot of people uh die without without living their dream settling instead for comfort and security you have the courage to do these things because this is your dream and you're so passionate about it and it really fulfills you in terms of your mission you have a mission and at the same time you get to travel so that that's really ad admirable especially hearing these stories yeah man i think i think that i remember there's a quote that says we're so busy trying to make a living, forgetting how to live. You know, we forget how to live. And I think that many of us are like that, you know. We, we are so busy in just making a living, forgetting that, you know, God wants us to live too. And so I, I think it's a good challenge for each and every one of us, you know, like don't forget to live. Make a living, but don't forget to live, to really live life. <laughs> right. I really want to emphasize that one because... One of my advocacy as well, especially in like in doing this podcast and, and posting travel photos on YouTube is to encourage people that that life is supposed to be enjoyed. Life is supposed to be lived. Imagine if you live your life, you pay bills for you pay bills for 50 years, 50, 60 years, and then you retire. You have all the freedom, but at the same time, you don't have the vitality anymore. So for me, for me, that is not that is not life or that is not living. So traveling sure. is one of the ways to live your life. So it's really good when you've mentioned that, yes, we, what was that quote about? We, we, we work. We're so busy, we living, so busy making a living, making yeah. a living mm -hmm. that we'll forget to have life. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that I really am. I really want to emphasize that. And I always pose that as well and, and remind people and remind myself that there's more to life than just working yep. nine to five and paying bills. It's supposed to be mm -hmm. enjoyed. And it's not just about the money. Of course, we need money to, to pay our bills. But more importantly, life is supposed to be lived. And one of the ways yeah. to live your life to the fullest is to travel. And regarding the jungle school that you've mentioned a while ago, it 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 has gone viral nowadays. Like I've seen the yeah. the post on Instagram. Even celebrities are comment commenting about it. Like I've seen the post of Shrock, uh, the yeah. captain of the Philippine football team, Ascals, uh, kind of like posted it on his story as well, Instagram story. Yeah. So it is a jungle school in Palawan. 100% funded by social media and you initiated mm -hmm. this project. It's an amazing, amazing and impressive project. And mm -hmm. first of all, congratulations. You're able to, to, 
to reach the goal. And of course, praise the Lord for this. Can you tell us more about this Jungle School project yeah. in Palawan? Yeah, and 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 I'm glad that you you mentioned these these guys like Shrok shared it and like Matthew Godicelli shared it on his Instagram. It was I think these guys really helped it, you know. So I'm I'm happy and shout out to these guys, to Matt for for helping me out, you know. But but I guess so. A little context about this: we were doing a lot of medivacs. And one thing that we do also is do supply runs for the jungle schools. Um, the Aviation and Adventist Frontier Mission has schools in these jungles in Palawan. And very remote jungles, most of it are literacy schools. So we teach kids how to read and all that kind of stuff. So I end up being in one of these jungle schools. I saw them and, and in Pamas, we have three jungle schools. And I remember we went to one of the, the village to do medical mission. And I saw the kids there, they have no slippers. And I was asking them, where do you guys go to school? And they, they don't know, you know, like they don't have an idea of what school is. Like they just said, oh, we sing here and all that kind of stuff. But they don't have an idea of what the school structure looks like and all that kind of stuff. And I said, man, what really is the purpose why I'm here? You know, is it really just giving medicine to people, just giving food and all that kind of stuff? Or is there more to this? And so I prayed about it, talked to Pamas, the people, and they said, you know, the, the village that you went just went, they really want to have a school. And, and I was like, man, really? How much is the school cost? You know, <laughs> so I was like thinking about it. And the, and the, the, the uh, what's that called? The president of Pamas told uh, told me, or the director in Palawan said, uh, around two hundred fifty thousand pesos. You know, like oh, really. So what if I raise ten thousand dollars, which is like five hundred k, right? Uh, will it uh, uh, supply the school at least, or make a building? They said, yeah, it's more than enough. And during this time, mind you, during this time, I made a test because I, I visited a, a small school too. And, and I, I, I asked the teacher, what do you need here? He said, ah, oh, I just need rice. You know, you want rice. And it's like, okay, I'll try to ask my friend, maybe in Instagram, maybe we can ask them to provide you some rice. And the goal is to just buy a sack of rice for Jillian, the teacher. Maybe we could buy her a sack of rice. So, so I posted it. It's like, hey, who wants to help teacher Jillian? Dude, I posted it on Instagram. And in one day, I had 500,000 pesos in my Instagram stories. For a this sack was of before rice. the GoFundMe. This is before <laughs> GoFundMe. Right. And, and, and that yeah, is just so, for the sack of rice, right? Yeah. And I was like, wait, this is a little too much. So I bought them. Of course, we got them so much rice. But then I asked my friends. I said, hey, you know that the helicopter is, 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 is donor funded and we don't really have Daniel as no fuel this month. Is that possible if some money can go to the fuel? And so they said, sure. And so... I divided it 250,000 for the medical mission and for rice for the schools and for, for one month salary for 10 teachers. <laughs> so I divided that. And then, and then I divided 250,000 for helicopter fuel. So I said, man, this is possible. So I told the president of the, of the, the mission and I said, Hey, how much, how much is the, the school? It's like $5,000 I say, Hey, if I raise, if I raise 500,000 pesos, will that be okay? It's like, yeah, that's more than enough. It's like, 
we'll buy solar panels and all that kind of stuff. And so I posted this in Instagram, dude. I kid you not. I put a GoFundMe account, posted it in Instagram. And overnight, overnight, we received $10,000. That's two hundred. Uh, that's 500,000 pesos. And now in GoFundMe plus the funds that was sent to me personally, it's almost a million. Pesos. Yeah. In just a week. So, so that for me was very wild and how powerful social media is. So the lumber is being cut right now. And I want to give it a little disclaimer. This is not going to be a fancy first world looking school because <laughs> this is <laughs> up in the jungle. So it's going to be like one of those Sulad schools. Yeah, the very, very kahoy and, and wooden because it's difficult to bring up uh, fancy gears up there in the mountain. So it's yeah. going to be very simple. But we want to make a literacy school there. And, and the dream is really produce kids that will be graduating and go back and serve their own people. We already have those kids. Uh, some of the, these schools have made pro, uh, a product of these schools already went back and they become teachers in their own uh, jungle school. Yeah, so that is the goal. Uh, bro, these are all nice pictures you see on Instagram, but it's heartbreaking out there. Uh, kids are getting married at the age of 10, you know, and and this is this is heartbreaking for me, you know. And, and today we were driving... Me and the pilot, we were we were we were driving and talking about education and about about how the Philippines, the Filipinos were were not allowed to go to school. You remember that? <laughs> we were not allowed to go to school by this because of the Spaniards. The Spaniards, the colonizers, knows that if we're educated, then there's there'll be, and this is, I think it's Martin Luther King who says, if you liberate a man, you set him free. I'm uh, sorry, if you educate a man, you set him free. Mm. Yeah. And, and I really believe that. And I think that the, the Filipinos were not sent to school during the colonizers' time because they know that. And not until Rizal went to Paris or wherever he went, that he studied and he was like, man, we need a revolution. We need to have the Spaniards go out of the country. And, and there was a great revolution because of education. And I think this is something really important for me. Some of, some of these people are still trapped with messed up cultures. And hoping we're really hoping that through education we can, you know, break the chains of, of of child marriages or, or you know, the witchcraft and all these kind of sorcery and all these kind of stuff. That 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 really is the goal. What kind of tribe is that? Is it a Palawan tribe? Palawan tribe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What was there's a specific name? Tig Tigbanwa, Tigtagbanwa, or something like that. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's the name of the tribe. That's where they at Tigbanwa. Yeah, because totally different dialect, dude. Like I, totally different dialect. Like mm-hmm. you can't trace any any of the words. Real difficult. Do they have a written language? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, like yeah. These kinds of travel, these kinds of activities, where you have this advocacy in helping others. You know, you, you don't just go to a certain place to to relax or to just have a vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think these kinds of travel, like what you do, is what what we call meaningful travel. Mm-hmm. And it, it's mm-hmm. so fulfilling. You go to a place, you have a purpose, and sure. not just to take a photo of the sunset or not just to 
lay on the beach. Although, like what I've said, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's also necessary for your for your health, for your mental health. But more importantly, like you you were able to combine the two, traveling and finding meaning in what you do. So that's what makes it so amazing. Imagine providing a jungle school to to these uh, people, to these indigenous people in the mountains, and you're able to use your influence. You know, yeah. your, 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 your social media presence was put into good use. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a blessing, man. And, and not only, the goal is really not just to, to build a school, but to sustain it. So currently we have enough money to sustain it and to, to pay for two volunteer teachers for a year. So our goal is to sustain it, you know, till, <laughs> till you know, Jesus comes. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. So, so I guess you're going to be staying there for quite a while in Palawan. I, I, want, to, I want to see it rise. I want to see it rise. I want to see it built. Um, hopefully, I was, I was praying that it will be finished in two months or, or so because I, I need to fly to Israel and share with Leon. Yeah. Wow. Amazing, man. But that's bad news for those who want you to get settled down. Who <laughs> want you to settle down. <laughs> no, <laughs> like no, those no, friends no. and relatives. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I enjoy this too much. All right. So how about for those who want to help or to contribute to this jungle school? Like how can they? Like those who are listening yeah, to Yeah, our... so, so if you want more information about the jungle school, you can message me on Instagram, PSTR Jasper. It's a code name. <laughs> PSTR, Pastor Jasper. Um, but uh, you can message me there, give you information, or you can go to to our GoFundMe account and just type in Jasper's Jungle School, and yeah, so that or or, or message me in Facebook. So that's how you contact me. All right. Okay. Before we end, we're about to end, but before that, since nowadays people, you know, like especially before the pandemic and after the pandemic, people are going to travel, and travel photos are. You know, with with the social with the advent of social media, travel photos are now very common. Travel videos, and it tips to our listeners on how to take beautiful pictures. Yeah, <laughs> ooh, that's it's like that, in, that's in a nutshell. Different. Yeah, in a um, nutshell. I think, I think, do not focus on gears. Enjoy more uh, the memories that you have, but. But I think most especially if you could learn how to compose uh, shots, I think I think above anything else, you can use the least camera. If you're good at composition, you can tell a good story. So, so one tip that I want to give you is there's a nine-minute video by Steve McCurry in YouTube called Nine Composition Tips. You type in Nine Composition Tips Steve McCurry in YouTube. And so there's just, just powerful, powerful tips on how to take photos. It was not, it's not talking about technicals of how to use a camera and all that kind of stuff, but when you point your screen or your lens to a certain object, how do you do it? You know, how do you portray a story? Th- that really helped me in my travel. So, so go to YouTube, type that in, and that really helped me a lot in my journey yeah, as a photographer. Yeah, I saw that one as well, like that, that video. Yeah. yeah. That's really helpful. And a lot of people, sometimes they focus on, on post-process, like the colors and all that stuff. But if you look at Nat Geo pictures, most of them are not even edited or, or post-processed. It's just more of the composition, like what Jasper have said. So guys, focus on yeah. the composition, on where to put the subject and the background, all that stuff. 
great great stuff how about yeah. filmmaking like people are posting videos on youtube any like uh, oh, yeah. basic tips on how to kind of make a bit more cinematography like cinematography <laughs> oh that that's difficult um i it took me time years to really um know what to do um but i think uh, this the sequence is very important you know see sequencing is very important for me as a filmmaker so that means you know when you walk you know like it's it's um i think i think one tip is if you make a film do a sequence about wide establishing just to let your viewers know where you are then a medium shot then a tight shot so that's usually how if you look at how my my videos work it starts with a chopper up in the mountains so people say oh you're in a jungle and slowly you see a feet walking <laughs> and the community's walking by and it's, yeah it started really just attracting people like letting them know where you are and right. start your story from there yeah mm, great 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 tip do you have any a uh, filmmaker idol um i think there's a guy that i look up to in he's both photographer and a filmmaker uh Chris Burkard in uh in in Instagram Chris Burkard mm -hmm. Chris Burkard and and also um there's a guy who does filmmaking that I really like a uh, Brandon Lee Brandon L I is the Lee for his last name so I I really admire that guy and of course Steve McCurry Steve McCurry from photography uh, still watches his stuff yeah all right so You've mentioned depression a while ago, and I think it's very important to address this one because me, me like for me personally, I didn't know that this exists amongst long-term travelers. To be mm -hmm. honest, I, I know fatigue, travel fatigue, and you know burnout, but I didn't know that depression can hit you as well traveling a long time. So, any message or tips to long-term travelers out there, especially digital nomads, are, are common nowadays in terms of battling depression because you're able to to. To win this battle and if you've experienced it and you were able to win it so any just quick tip um i think i think community is very important um one of the ways to really combat depression is community an authentic loving genuine community um that's something that has really helped me without that i don't know if i ever survive my depression uh, or overcome it that's a term i'm trying to find overcome it um yeah community man pause to really enjoy one of the the mistakes i've done is that i keep doing it because i'm expecting to post something on social media i'm expected to let people know where i am and like let i'm expected to let people know how awesome my life is and and i realized that that's not what it is uh, people will see your life your awesome life and it will just be spontaneous <laughs> you know you don't have to prove anyone the point you know if you live your life spontaneously it will come out but you don't have to force it the more you force it the more you struggle with your self-worth your depression you know and all that kind of stuff and so find meaning in life i think one thing that really helped me overcome depression this year was finding meaning like like i could help a lot of people through social media and that really gave me so much meaning and that really helped me overcome. So, so yeah, find meaning. Don't just live out for yourself. Live for others. It really help wow. you a lot. That's that's a very powerful message, especially when you mention social media, because there's a lot of research nowadays that 
it is one of the major causes of depression, especially when you've mm-hmm. mentioned the the pressure to post for the sake of impressing others. So I think it's a very strong mm-hmm. message to all of us, especially for us travelers, that we shouldn't we shouldn't focus on that. No, focus on the yeah. journey. Yeah. Share if you want to your family, friends, but not you know not focusing on impressing them. Yeah, I think that 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 drug. You know, what was that called? dopamine that when you dopamine. social media dopamine yes it is dopamine. yeah so it gives you a good kick but research said when you have community it has more lasting um, serotonin or something like that uh, a lasting effect to you and that makes you more happier and so i would say do what you love to do and never forget to find community never f- forget to find authentic genuine community outside of your screen Wow, great. And you've mentioned doing something for others. It reminded me as well of our Sabbath school lesson last week, you know, being restless. If you are if you are selfish, then you become restless. So doing something for others yeah. is a good way to also cure that one like like what you're doing right now with with the jungle school. Okay. For sure. Any final message to listeners out there who look at your picture and envy you so much and want to see the world as well, travel the world? Uh, I think I think final message will be a little bit of a more challenge uh, for everyone. Um, I love reading the Bible. And one of the, the, the most powerful stories in the Bible for me is the story of Peter. Um, Peter was in the boat. If you remember that story, and he was, he was in, a, in a storm. And I remember vividly that story. Jesus was on, on, the, on the sea and he was walking in water. And then Peter didn't know who that was, but, but Jesus said, hey, it's me, Jesus. And Peter said, well, Lord, if it's you, allow me to walk in water. <laughs> and Jesus said, dude, dude, come. You know, it's me. You don't come. And then Peter stepped out of the boat and he starts walking and he starts to sink. You remember that story? And he lost sight of Jesus and he starts sinking and he, he drowned for a bit. Jesus ran, he rescued Peter, and, and, and most of the time, preachers would use the story of Peter to give an illustration of what happened to a person when they lose sight of Jesus, right? Oh, see, he, he ran out of faith and all that kind of stuff. He, la- he lacks faith. But think about it, bro. Yes, Peter sank, but Peter was the only one who walked in water. The rest of the disciples did not. You know Why? Peter was the only one willing to step out of the boat. He was the only one willing to step out of the boat. The rest of the disciples don't want to step out of the boat. And yes, sometimes you may drown. Sometimes it may overcome you, the waves of life, because you're outside of your comfort zone. But I tell you, the only way to experience God's miracles is when you're willing to step out of the boat. So I would encourage you guys, those who are watching, Step out of the boat, and I promise you, it may not be a literal walking on water, <laughs> but you will experience God's miracles. You know, I grew up in a church where there's a lot of miracles. I read a lot of miracles in the Bible, and I read miracles from David Gates, from all these great men. They're like, wow, this amazing story. But I realize I'm, I'm done listening to these stories. I want to experience them. And so I would encourage you guys, taste the Lord, breathe good, step out. There is no progress in comfort. Progress can only be attained when you're willing to step out of your comfort zone. Step out of the boat. And I assure you, 
you see God's God God's work in your life. God God will work through you, and you'll see maybe an opportunity for you to walk on water. Amen. <laughs> very very powerful, inspiring message. It reminded me of your photo in Israel when you were walking in water. That is uh, traditionally believed that that's ah, where Peter yeah, yeah. walked. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a scam, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was the, bus, the right spot. Yeah, but for sure, I remember that. Yeah, initial. That was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of spots in in Israel and Jerusalem are based on tradition, but uh, anyway, it's yeah. not really like archaeologically <laughs> and proven. But at least you know you have the idea. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Jasper, for being on the thank podcast. You. <laughs> it was a pleasure hearing your stories and and you coming to life. You know, seeing the the man behind these beautiful pictures. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. And I hope we can we can meet as well in person. You know, on the road. For sure. For sure. One of these trips after COVID. Yeah, I, I might visit Palawan. You know. <laughs> oh, come over, bro. Come over. If you're still there after the pandemic. All right, and thank you guys for listening. Before we end, I'm gonna leave you with this travel quote. Some of the great pictures happen along the journey, and not necessarily at your destination. By Steve McCurry. Once again, thank thank you for tuning in. This has been your host, Regin. Till the next episode.